Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Stock Talk. This is a little podcast slash video that I like to put together once a week where I like to talk about all things investing, what's, about what's going on in the markets and my own market observations, uh, share with you some interesting insights from other people uh, who are looking at the market and commenting on the market, and also share with you some of my own decisions that I'm making with respect to you know, my, my portfolio. Uh, with the hopes that you could just take some of the, these nuggets of information and maybe bring it back to your own uh, investment decision making uh, in your own uh, in your own little world there. So my name is Amin Reina and I'm an investment coach and founder of Sage Investors. And as an investment coach, what I do uh, is I try to help people who want to become more financially independent, but they feel kind of intimidated, frustrated, confused by this whole investing concept. They just can't wrap their heads around. Uh, stocks and buying stocks, selling stocks, how do you go about doing it? Um, a lot of people that I work with, uh, they either don't know where to start when it comes to investing or they've been investing for a long period of time and just aren't seeing their portfolios and just aren't seeing their savings growing meaningfully like they thought they would be doing. So what I do as an investment coach is I teach people and I engage with them on how to make more educated investment decisions and how to make more successful investment decisions so that they can achieve a certain level of financial freedom in their lives and achieve it with confidence. So this is episode 94, I believe. And guess what? It's decision day. Uh, it's investment decision day. Uh, this is the episode where I like to share with you some of my more recent investment decisions and not just share with you what I did, the outcome, but more of the process that I've gone through to get to these investment decisions. And I really feel strongly, especially as an investment coach, as somebody who's teaching people how to make decisions, teaching people how to evaluate uh, an investment opportunity like a stock or an ETF or a mutual fund or a bond. Uh, it's really one thing for me to teach people the mechanics and the behavioral aspects of it. I believe it's another thing to actually back up what you say. It's another thing to walk the talk. And so I've, I've, with my practice, I really feel strongly that I need to be transparent and showing people how I go about making investment decisions because I want people to see that the stuff that I'm trying to help them out with, that I'm actually applying what I'm teaching. I'm actually practicing what I teach. And that's a critical element with respect to successful investors. They practice. They, you know, To become good at anything in life, you need to practice. You need to apply what you've learned and get that feedback in real time. Because the more you do that, the more experienced you're gonna become and the more comfortable, the more confident, and the more empowered you're gonna become with your investment decisions. So I wanna share with you today, uh, my recent uh, investment decisions that I made uh, in the last month, that I've essentially two. One was a decision to add a stock, add more, uh, buy more stock, and another decision was I bought a new stock. And so I'm gonna walk you through the decision-making process that I went through to, to get to that. So, um, and incidentally, if you go on my website, sageinvestors.ca, I actually have a blog post on this. Uh, one of the things I do write on my website now, I just spend more time podcasting and doing videos and mind map videos and stuff like that. I, I do way more of that, but every once a month, I try to make it a point to actually write out <clears throat> my, uh, my, my decisions and share with you my thought processes around it. So if you go to my website, you can uh, check out uh, my blog right up on, on what I'm going to be talking about today on the, on the stocks that I'm talking about today. So the first decision I made was I decided to add buy more stock in Walt Disney company. 
uh, ticker symbol DIS. And what happened in the past month is the stock's been kind of drifting downward. And at one point it went down to under almost 100 bucks a share. It's been consistently in the 108, 110 range. Um, but it's been falling uh, recently down to the $100 range. And uh, so I figured, I was like, hey, what's going on? Something going on with the company. What's going on with it? Uh, turns out uh, the company announced that uh, they made a previous announcement that at some point over the next year or so, they're going to start pulling all their content out of Netflix and create their own online portal and charge a subscription fee to people who want to access you know, all the Disney content, all the Star Wars, ESPN content, ABC content, all that stuff. And which I've commented, I've blogged about it and posted about, it, about that. I just want to get, you know, you can read that on the website. But they took an extra step further because they actually said that they're going to actually take out all the Star Wars content and all the Marvel content and including because of their initial announcement, they didn't really speak to it, but they gave more clarity on it that they're going to pull all that content out of Netflix. Um, so when I looked at it, the stock's been kind of drifting down. Uh, in US dollar terms. And as I said, I'm a Canadian, I live in Canada, so I deal with Canadian dollars. And so the Canadian dollar has been appreciating quite a bit in the last few months. And it's like well over, at the time, it was almost over 82 cents uh, per US dollar. And uh, I figure with the higher US dollar, uh, the favorable exchange rate, the stock is fundamentally, nothing's really changed with the business except this type of announcement, which is more of a strategic move. Uh, I thought it'd be a really good time to add more shares to it. I can buy more stock into this company at a lower at a at a lower price point, and really take advantage of the strong Canadian dollar to add to my position. So, um, this is one of the stocks I hold actually in my son's um, RESP portfolio, which is a registered education savings plan. So, this is my son's uh, university. Uh, pot uh, savings. So um, in that portfolio, I have, I try to make a really conscious effort to put really high quality uh, investments in that because I want them to grow meaningfully over a long period of time. I have a long investment horizon and I want to buy invest in really quality assets that are going to grow meaningfully over a long period of time. And so Disney to me represents one of these long-term quality assets. To me, it's the best of breed entertainment company out there. It owns some of the most valuable sought after iconic uh, pieces of entertainment content out there and it's a durable company and it's one of the most integrated companies out there I, as i said i've talked a lot about disney in the past so bottom line is i saw i saw a really uh strong dollar and i saw the stock falling down for really no fundamental reason i thought it was a good opportunity to buy more stock in it so that's what i did so that was my uh first decision the second decision I made was I made a decision to buy shares in Nike, ticker symbol NKE. And for those of you who have followed uh, my podcast in the past or follow my blogs or have worked with me as an investment coach where I teach people uh, how, how to frame their decisions and how to figure out whether to buy or sell a stock, you'll know already that every time I'm looking at a company, I ask myself really eight fundamental questions. And if after answering those eight fundamental questions, I should have a pretty good idea of whether I want to buy the stock or if I'm currently holding it, whether I want to sell the stock. So what I thought I'd do, uh, you know, share with you, I'll share with you my eight questions, how I answer these eight questions with respect to evaluating uh, Nike. So first question I always ask about any stock that I want to get involved in, I potentially want to get involved in is what do they do? What do they sell? What are their products? What are their services? What is their value proposition? What differentiates this company from anybody else? So when it comes to Nike, 
You know, the simple answer is your Nike is athletic clothing, athletic apparel, shoes, uh, you know, equipment, athletics. Uh, if you want to buy equipment, if you're engaged, you're an active person in sports, physical activity, Nike. And we all know the brand. It's one of the most iconic brands out there with the swoosh out there. Um, but when you take another step level and take another level of thinking on it, Nike really represents their value proposition is about achievement, physical achievement. And a lot of the marketing, a lot of the messaging uh, that's defining the company is all around achieving things, physical achievements, running a marathon, uh, climbing a mountain, winning a tennis match, uh, you know, hitting a home run. Uh, Bottom lines are saying, these are things that you need to achieve. And when you're trying to achieve these things as people, as humans, you're gonna have a better chance of achieving these things if you're wearing Nike products. If you're wearing that Nike dry fit sh uh, shirt, you're not gonna sweat as much. Uh, you're not gonna get disrupted as much. You're wearing those shoes. You're probably your feet are gonna be more strong, you know, stronger. You're gonna make more moves, run faster, faster, higher. You know, all that kind of stuff. And so that's Nike's value proposition. They sell physical achievement. They will help you achieve what you need to be. Look at their their, their logo. Just do it. Just make it happen. And they're there. They're the enablers to let you make it happen. To just do it. So that's what they do. Question two: Who do they compete with? Who are their major competitors? Well, the easy again, the easy way. Uh, just spitballing it, it's you know other apparel companies. So that's where you think of companies like uh, your Adidas, your Under Armour, but then you go into other companies that have kind of branched into this whole athletic leisure kind of uh, marketplace, a segment. And so you got companies like Lululemon, H&M to a certain extent, Gap to a certain extent are into that leisure, athletic leisure, and that's been a big trend. And that's really a lot of people say what Nike and maybe Lululemon have done is they've made Traditionally, you know, you wear shorts and sneakers when you're engaging in physical activity or exercising, but now they've made it to the point where they've got clothing now, apparel that can kind of cross over into other walks, forms of your life, whether it be in a work environment, professional environment, uh, entertainment, lifestyle, you know, kind of environment. They've morphed that company, they've really established the brand to cross all different segments of, how, of, our, of our daily lives. And so, um, those are the main competitors. Uh, who buys their products and services? Again, as I said, this crosses over into so many different segments out there. It's not strictly a sports company uh, anymore in, in the way I look at it. And uh, uh, that, that's a big L. So who buys their products? Well, all different levels of people, all different segments of people. It's, they're not really targeting uh, a specific group or a specific market. They're very much going, you know, it's a very much, and that's the nature of clothing is it's one of our core staples. We constantly need clothing. So the question four that I always ask myself is, will people uh, come back and buy a company's product over and over again? Will people come back and buy Nike products over and over again? And the answer is, Yes, because of the branding aspect of it to it, but the fact of the matter is the quality of the goods, um, the durability of the goods and things like that, uh, the, the constant need for clothing. We need clothing, things happen, and we need to upgrade and refresh. So people, yeah, will come back and buy an overall again if it's the right product, they offer the right value and conducive to a lifestyle that people are trying to aspire to. So that's question four. Question five, it's the money question. Do they make money? So it's great, you can have a company that's doing all these really great things, creating all kinds of amazing products and services, but if they're not making money as an investor in the long term, that's not gonna help us. We're gonna lose money, and chances are the business is gonna go through a lot of problems. So ultimately we wanna invest in stocks and companies of people, of 
companies that are profitable, that are creating tangible wealth for their shareholders. And so my go-to metric for, for answering this question is economic profit, which focuses on return on invested capital and cost of, cost of capital. Companies that are creating tangible wealth are companies that are generating high returns on capital that are greater than their cost of capital. So in the case of Nike, if you look at the last three years, their returns on invested capital have been between 39 and 42%, which is insane. Outstanding number. You compare it to their cost of capital, which comes in around 9.7, 10%. This company's making a lot of tangible profit. This is a profitable business. This is a well, uh, a wealth creating business. And as an investor, hey, I want to be associated with that because if they're creating wealth, then chances are, as a shareholder, I'm going to create, I'm going to uh, generate wealth. Uh, by owning that stock over a longer period of time. If you actually look at their uh, performance over the last 10 years, really the last decade, their return on invested capital is almost around 25%, which is still way above the 10% cost of capital. And uh, so it's an extremely strong company that's really demonstrated a tangible ability to create tangible wealth. Um, it's also a shifting company. The company used to be a very US focused company, but now when you look at their sales breakdown, almost 60% of uh, Almost 55% of their sales come from outside the US. So more sales are generated outside the US than inside. And I'll get that into it when we look at valuation. Um, in terms of market segments in the US, it is the dominant brand in the US. It almost holds like a 60% share in the, what is that? 60% in the, in the US market, um, market share. Um, which is crazy. So they are the big player and everybody else is just a lot of bunch of minions. So they are the best of breed and they're the dominant player in this sector and they're making profit out of it. Uh, question six, another money question. What do they own and who do they owe money to? This is basically looking at the financial strength of the company. And to do that, to see if this company is gonna be durable enough to be in business for a long period of time, forever, ideally, um, this is where we look at the balance sheet. We want to look at the strength of the balance sheet, the strength of the assets, the, the level of debt, um, the quality of the assets of the company. So ultimately, we're investing in a quality. We want to invest in quality businesses. We want to make sure they have a quality balance sheet. So if you look at their financials, their been out balance sheet, they have a very strong liquidity position. Their current ratio, which is current assets divided by current liability, is over three, which is great. Like if you're over one, I mean that's pretty good. Um, but here with three, there's a lot of liquidity. There's a lot of cash in the business. If you look at it, they actually have more cash in the bank than they do long-term debt. So if they wanted to retire their debt, pay off their debt tomorrow, they could do that. They have more than enough money in the bank to cut a check and get rid of all their debt. So this, that's a sign of a very strong business. Um, when you look at their intangible assets, their goodwill, uh, intangible assets, you know, it, it's very low and very manageable for a company of this size. So when I look at the company's financial position, it's pretty strong. It's creating tangible wealth. It's the best of breed. So like, it's like, wow, this is like, so far so good. So like, I'm getting a good vibe so far, but there's still questions we still wanna ask ourselves to really get a complete picture of the business. And that leads to question seven, which is how risky is the business? What are the threats out there that could take it down? That could impact its future profitability, impact its future uh, viability. Uh, what's What forces out there are potential threats? And there are many threats, especially for Nike. And in the sense of the main, uh, when we're looking at clothing companies, fashion-oriented kind of companies, that's one of the big threats is just 
consumer tastes change. Consumer tastes evolve. Trends, fashion trends, very cyclical in nature. And it's really important for these type of businesses like Nike to be kind of ahead of the curve and kind of seeing what people are gonna want down the road and being able to provide that kind of uh, fashion experience, fashion lifestyle that they want. So that's a challenge, that's an ongoing challenge. It's not short term, it's a, just a constant challenge of this type of business. Uh, Nike's also had a lot of kind of uh, uh, sustainable development, uh, socio-economic kind of challenges to it. A lot of people, uh, most of the manufacturing is done in third world countries where they pay people practically nothing. So it's ironic that they, you know, it costs them like $5 to make a Nike pair of Nike sneakers. They'll go sell it for like $150, $200, you know, on, you know, on, uh, you know, on Fifth Avenue or something like that. And uh, so it's very profitable, but it, a lot of people say that they are kind of exploiting a lot of people who are disadvantaged to for, 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 for profit. And that's something they've constantly had to be, be able to manage and try to demonstrate that they are socially conscious and that they also, whatever profits, that they are giving back to the communities that they are investing in to help them develop this uh, iconic brand that they're doing. So the sustainable development side of it is 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 an element, the socio kind of social aspects of what Nike does and how they go about doing it are always going to be there and how they manage it potentially can impact their long-term viability also. Another threat is also their distribution platforms. Traditionally they distribute their goods, you buy Nike goods through retailers like sports stores or you know um, traditional retail things, uh, locations. But they've been coming under pressure a lot because, and this is where Amazon comes in, and you know that whole disruption element that's going on. And so a lot of people are saying, well, if those channels are going away, Nike needs to, and they continue to depend on that retail distribution channel, they're gonna be potentially cut off. And so they are starting to see that, and now they're starting to explore more direct-to-sale uh, direct selling stuff directly to customers instead of avoiding the middle person. But they're still trying to develop an online presence and they have partnered with uh, Amazon to sell some of their goods, uh, products through Amazon, which was unheard of before. And uh, um, so they're into that. So they seem to be aware of these threats and are trying to address them. Now, whether they're gonna be successful at it, time is gonna tell. But from that perspective, it seems like they're doing the things that they probably need to do to address a lot of these threats. So then, so so far the story looks pretty good. But at the end of the day, as investors, we want to buy something. When we buy stocks, when we make a decision to buy stocks, we want to get a good deal. We don't want to buy something that's fully valued or overpriced because chances are it's going to either not do anything or it probably is going to fall in value. So ultimately we want to get a good deal. And this is where investing and buying stocks, we want to get the best deal possible. We want to buy great companies at cheap prices. So the question is, is Nike stock cheap? So when you compare Nike with other companies and you compare it on a price multiple ratio basis, um, the stock is pretty much fair value. Like the price it's trading at is pretty much a decent price to get it. There's not gonna get crazy upside, but you're not gonna get a lot of downside to it. So you buy it, you just kind of, you know, it's just there. Um, from, from, a, from a relative perspective, you're comparing Nike to Under Armour and Adidas and other elements. If you look at it from a cash flow perspective, in terms of taking their future cash flows and bringing it back to a present value and determining an intrinsic value, the stock price comes in in a value from what I've seen uh, models out there 
valued in between 58 to $70. So the stock is trading right now as I speak in the $51, $52 range. So 58 to 70, so maybe perhaps we're looking at a mid 60s kind of valuation, low 60s. So there is upside. I think if you were looking, I'm looking at it, I'm going, I think there might be some upside to owning this stock right now. Because the stock has come down quite a bit from the 60s. It's come down to the low 50s and uh, the company's doing fine. And uh, potentially over a long term, there may be a potential to get you know 23% return on the stock at this point if I got in right now. So that's how I looked at it. And I thought that's appealing because that's consistent with my return expectations for when I make buy stocks is I'm looking for stocks where I can get at least 20, 30% returns. Um, so that's kind of cool for me. Um, so as I said, the stock has been tracking down. It was in the 60s and now it's in the low 50s. It's come under a lot of pressure, primarily because of this Amazon uh, retail uh, malaise that's been going on out there. And the fact of the matter is the US sales have been kind of flat. And I think a lot what's happening is all the analysts are basically pricing this company based on the US market. And I've talked a lot about in terms of biases, behavioral biases, when we evaluate companies. And one of them is geographic bias. And one of the things is, um, especially uh, here in North America is a lot of the analysts have a very North American focus. They focus really on the US um, sales numbers, volume numbers, market share numbers, but tend to ignore anything else happening in, around the world. So as I said, almost 55% of the sales of Nike are outside the US. And they're growing. If you look at their China growth rates, their Asia growth rates, they're doing pretty good. Their growth rates are great. The US market, not so much. They've been losing market share to the Under Armors and recently the Adidas's of the world. But And that's what the analysts are all focusing on. They're focusing on that part, but not looking at this really great growth. And the fact of the matter is most of the sale, Nike is more of an international business now than it is a domestic business. And to me, I think that's a wrong focus. And when I'm looking at it, I'm going, hey, I think they got their focus on it. And I think they're mispricing this, this asset, this company. And so I think they're, when I looked at it, I go, you know what? I think there is more upside to this stock. And I think the analysts here, as usual, are focused on, are obsessing about the wrong things. So when I factor that in, I factor in the fact that it's got a bit of a, a contrarian vibe to it that is sort of an out of favor company right now in the markets and by analysts and by institutions i thought you know what this might be a really good time to buy a really good quality asset a quality business that has a dominant market share around the world a global brand um, and buy it at a cheaper price than i probably would ever think about buying it and to me it's a quality business and the valuation right now is, is much more appealing if it was in the 60s i probably wouldn't look at it i might put it on my watch list but Right now it's at 51 and I'm going, okay, maybe if I can get to 62, 63 with this stock over, I don't know how, when it would come, but I think over the period of time, I think I can get there. I think the stock could get there. Um, so that's what I did. So I bought the stock in about 51. I bought it at 51. And it's interesting, after I bought the stock, the company came out with its quarterly earnings and they weren't great. Again, very flat US sales and the stock went down 4% after that. So I bought more stock. So. You know, as long as the fundamental story that I think, in terms of being a global brand, creating long-term value, long-term capital, um, economic profit is there and they're doing it and their balance sheet is very strong and they still retain that dominant presence in the retail, in, that, in the athletic apparel market, I think it's a nice core holding to have. So 
that's what I did. I did. That's what how I came to that decision. So I hope you understand. You know, it, buying the stock is not just okay. I'm going to buy it. I'm going to throw a dart at the board. There, you got to go through kind of a progression of thinking to rationalize either to buy something or to not buy or to sell something. So just sharing with you what the process I went through to come to my decision to buy Nike stock. So be love to love to hear what you have to say about it. Feel free to put some comments on my website under my blog. Um, you know, sageinvestors.ca, love to hear what you guys say about it. So that's all I got for you today. A couple of announcements. Um, just want another reminder that uh, next Wednesday, uh, every Wednesday evening between 8 p.m. and 9 p.m., I'm on Facebook Live and uh, basically talking about stocks, talking about what we're doing right now. Um, so if you have an investing question, if you're trying to figure out whether you should buy or sell or stock, um, you just have a general educational type question, you try to understand what something means in investing, a term or something, just jump on Facebook Live, go to my uh, page, my Facebook page, Sage Investors, and just drop a question. And I'm more than happy to just try to answer it for you and help you out in uh, whatever way I can do in whatever limited time that I have. And usually I'm gonna be talking about this stuff. See, one of the things I love, I think, what I think is really great, and this is one of my favorite episodes that I like to do, these investing decisions one, is because we're not talking about investing, we're actually in the zone now making decisions. And that's what I love to do, is get into these like, you know, ideas about companies and visions and what they're doing and investing and look at, okay, what do I gotta do? What do I, I want to make a decision here. How do I get to that point? Instead of just talking around the edges about a company or a stock, let's just talk about the stock. So that's what Stock Talk Live is. It's on every Wednesday on Facebook Live, so feel free to drop in and uh, ask me a question and stick around and hopefully you'll learn something out of it. Um, it's all good. Um, what else? Uh, as I, all my podcasts and videos are on my website, sageinvestors.ca, or you can go through iTunes. All my podcasts are all there. Uh, feel free to subscribe and leave some comments, reviews. Love to hear about it. Spread the good word around it. Um, yeah, it's all good. Uh, if you have any questions about uh, my coaching services, about what I do as an investment coach, and want to learn a little bit more about my coaching service and the courses that I teach online and also in person, again, you can hit me on my uh, website, sageinvestors.ca. I'm also on Twitter. Um, my handle is at sageinvestors. So I'm on there uh, when I see stuff going on in the markets and I'll jump on there and tweet about it. If I see other people posting some really cool stuff and cool observations that are I think are worth looking into, they're on there. Um, just jump on there. And also my investment decisions. When I make decisions to buy and sell stocks, I tweet them on in real time. So check me out there on Twitter. You can check me out again on Facebook, my Sage Investors uh, Facebook page is up. So again, all my blog content, podcast content, you can find me through there too, uh, through that channel. So that's all I got for you this week. This has been another episode of Stock Talk. Thank you so much for taking the time to listening, to listen and watch away. And I hope you're finding some value in this and I wish you good luck in your investing endeavors. My name again, Amin Reina of Sage Investors, and I'll catch you again another time. Take care. Bye-bye.